Welcome back to the Brand Builders Love Podcast. I'm your host, Suze Chadwick, and we are at episode 68. Welcome to the Brand Builders Lab podcast. We're learning how to create an epic brand, find the right marketing strategies, and building your business is a constant evolution, classroom, and lab. Each week, we'll be diving into all things brand and marketing with special guests and solo episodes to help you build your business, brand, and big idea. Hey, hey, welcome back to the Brand Builders Lab podcast. So great to have you here. I hope you're having an awesome week and I hope life is good. Now, if this is your first time here, I'm your host, Suze Chadwick, and this podcast is brought to you by The Connection Exchange. And I work with women in business to help you build a confidently bold brand, articulate a powerful message, and attract clients who want what you have so you can play bigger and brand bolder. Now, today I am speaking with Amy Savage, the founder of Events by Example. We're talking about how you can get the most out of the events that you're running. She works with lots of different types of businesses and supports them to really use events to grow their business. So I'm excited to dive into this episode. Now, before we get started, I did want to let you know that Brand Builders Academy, which used to be called Play Big Brand Bold, is opening up for our next live round very soon. I am currently updating all the content. There are some epic bonuses. And if you want to start to build a confidently bold brand, nail your message and create the right strategies, systems and structures to scale your business, then... You need to join the waitlist to find out when registrations open. So all you have to do is go to theconnectionexchange.com forward slash BBA waitlist. So that is theconnectionexchange.com forward slash BBA waitlist, which is obviously Brand Builders Academy waitlist. So you can head over there, join up. And as soon as we are ready to go, you will be the first to know. And if you're on the waitlist, you will also get access to payment plans and bonuses. So make sure you join up there. If you love this podcast, if you love the content that I share, I'm going to go so much deeper. Plus you get eight weeks of live coaching where you can ask me anything that you need or want at the time. And I will be supporting you to implement everything that you are learning. So I'm super excited to be relaunching that bigger and better than ever. Now let's dive into this week's podcast. Amy, welcome to the Brand Builders Lab podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Suze. It's really exciting to be here. Pleasure, pleasure. Now I have no idea how we've met. I think it was through Instagram. Uh, yeah, Instagram, and um, I have just always admired your business. And then I bumped into you at Waterman Business Centre, and I was like, "Hello, I just want to say hello because I follow you on Instagram." <laughs> yeah, so yeah, Instagram's a beautiful thing. It is, isn't it? It's so good. It's so good. Yeah. Uh, and now you run events by example. We were literally just having a quick chat before we started yeah. recording, and that you've been in business now for three years. Yep. And yep. so, how did you kind of get here? How did you start your business? Yeah, sure. So um, it's been a bit of a wild ride. I mean, um, Events by Example is all about offering event coaching, um, virtual event assistance and event management coordination um, to coaches, mentors um, and small business owners who have knowledge to share. Um, But it definitely hasn't always been that way. And that's um, 
something that I've grown into. But I guess taking it right back, I studied events with a Bachelor of Business and my first real role was in, and I've kind of only just pieced this together now, like I worked in high fashion um, for a a Melbourne-based brand um, and we did stuff like incentive travel and conferencing, but it was always about, um, it was always a big educational business growth focus because the people that we were hosting at the events were business owners themselves um, who sold the high fashion product. Um, And then I moved, I relocated from Melbourne um, to Sydney and moved into a a business that was a small business startup and their events were the, the lifeline of the business without the events, the business didn't grow. The business didn't continue on. And I, I just, um, I really learned there how important events are. And then that made me, yeah, want to move into doing it myself because I kept suffering from what I now call event come down, um, which is where I got sick after every single event I ran because I like worked and worked and worked and worked and then executed the event and then your body goes, oh, cool, you're not doing anything anymore. Um, so then you get sick and I was just really over it. So I, um, whilst I loved what I was doing, um, I knew that I needed a change. So I decided to be my own boss. And, yeah, I started events by example and at first it was like for all, all events, like I'm just an event manager, like come and see me. So I'm de- I learned very quickly that I'm not a wedding planner and I don't want to be in the wedding industry and hats off to those who are because like they do amazing work. Um, and then I moved in and I thought I niched and I was like I work with small businesses and, and small charities and that's still really, really broad. And so then I decided that I wanted to go back to basics. Um, I really like events that teach people things, um, help people grow and develop as individuals or as businesses. And so, yeah, I decided to focus on event coaching, um, event virtual assistance and coordination and management for um, coaches, mentors and businesses with knowledge to share. Awesome. I love that. That's so interesting that you're talking about event come down. I remember the very first big event well the very first event I ever ran was for 200 people at Circa in Melbourne because I just thought how hard could this be um it was very hard Uh, (laughs) but the day after that event I had the worst migraine and I was so sick I like the next day I woke up and I actually had an international online pitch that like sales pitch that I had to do yeah and I was it was like my brain was swimming it was yeah it was intense yeah it takes a lot out of you it really does and it's and it's such a thing like I oh anyone who could have seen me four years ago would have been like oh she's sick again she's burnt out like the event come down is real it is it is now I never book anything in after the day after an event yeah uh and I normally like book a massage or just something really lovely yeah, uh, yeah, I've learned as well. So that's yeah. for anybody out there, never book something big the day after a huge Yeah, yeah. I also, I also really encourage any of my clients to not schedule anything the day before, um, yes. and to have some self care. You know, even if that is sitting on the couch having a cup of tea, um, it doesn't have to be all glamorous or whatever. Yes. Um, just take some time, and it also gives you a little bit of a buffer in case your prep and your planning. Um, does uh, take a bit longer than anticipated at least you get a half day so yeah that's a big one yeah absolutely awesome so today we're going to be talking about how my listeners uh, and small businesses can use events to grow their business and some things for them to really be thinking about so that they're getting the most out of it it takes so much time and effort 
and money to run events, that it's really important that we're maximising the opportunity as well. So I obviously wanted to chat with you about that um, and get some tips from you as well. So when it comes to events, I do think that we're really, there are more in-person events these days. I think we kind of went through the whole online thing. We're still doing online, but people are definitely coming back to in real life and wanting to connect with people as well. So what are some things that they can be thinking about when it comes to running events for their business? Yeah, definitely. I think it's a huge, I definitely saw that trend where people were moving to webinars, but um, people are just craving interaction. I've, um, I read some stat that by like 2035 or something, there's going to be um, a massive increase in people either working from home, whether they're entrepreneurs or intrapreneurs, um, people working remotely. So people are craving that um, personal connection with other people and events are a great way to, um, to fill that bucket and fill that um, void that people who like you and I were sitting in our home offices right now doing this podcast, you know, sometimes we just need a, um, a little bit of time to go out and meet new people and um, interact. And it's for the person running the event, um, especially the people that I work with coaches and mentors and such. Um, it's a great opportunity for people to um, meet them and get to know them a lot quicker than what you would just on a webinar. Um, so it comes down to that same old marketing basic of um, get your audience to know, like, and trust you. And events are just the most instant way, I guess, to do that. Um, you have to get them in the room first, which is a whole other scenario. <laughs> a whole another. Yeah, but yeah. I think that it's a double-edged sword a little bit where you kind of like, well, events are huge and people want to do it. But with that, there are now a lot of events that people can choose from. So yeah. it's also about how do you stand out yeah. and how do you attract people to your events and uh, we are going to dive into that it's really, really interesting i've had like three messages this week one on linkedin one on instagram one on facebook saying i've got this event coming up how do i market this how do i get more people in so it's a real thing that people are struggling with yeah yeah i think um I think you've got to really step back when you're wanting to run an event and think about why you're running it. Um, so one of the biggest things that I try and teach people, and I, I said in my email to you yesterday, the one of the biggest things that I'd like to drive home in this episode is that um, don't just run an event for the sake of it, really run events that um, contribute and complement to your existing business structure and business services. Um, and definitely don't run events that may compete for, um, with those services. So yeah, your events should always complement what you've already got existing in your business. Um, and when doing it, don't just run an event for the sake of it and think that people will want to come, um, actually put in the hard yards to find out if it's something that people are after. So whether that's, um, you know, dropping little hints in your Instagram posts and if, if that kind of content is getting a lot of reactions and likes and shares and saves, then maybe that's something that, people are wanting to know more about. So that could be the topic for your next event. Um, pop an Instagram or a Facebook poll up um, and see what the stats are like on whether or not people are like, hell yeah, I'd be so interested in coming along. Um, yeah, so do your due diligence and find out if the audience that you're wanting to attract is even interested in the thing that you're thinking about sharing. Um, and if they're not, then you've, you've saved yourself a lot of time, money, stress, energy, um, and you can, you know, perhaps tweak it to find out what they are really want and be really specific. Don't be afraid to ask your audience, what do you want from me? Yeah, 100%. I, I used to joke that I'm the biggest pollster. Um, I've got different <laughs> Facebook groups and then I'm like, 
So if you had to choose from A, B or C, what would you do? And then what would the next thing be? I ask all the time. I just think that one, I, I've heard ages ago from somebody, I might have been Pat Flynn, it's just like when you engage your audience to be part of the decision making, when it comes to anything in your business, whether it's events, products and services, etc., then you're getting them bought in before that buy now button is anywhere. Like they're part of that, um, they're part of that decision, they're part of, you know, creating whatever it is that you're creating. Um, And also, obviously, if you're listening to them, then you're creating something that they're saying that they want. So, yes, polling, I think, is a great thing to do. Yeah, definitely. And then once you come up with um, what your audience wants, um, I just take it back to basics for all of us. Um, for our businesses, whether we work in the business or the business is our own, um, we work out the vision, mission and values of the business. And I, I apply the same technique to an event. Um, yeah. So once you decide and once you've got that data that backs up um, the, your decision-making process about what you're actually going to share at the event um, and what the event's all about, I yeah, break it down and create a vision statement, a mission statement and be really specific about it um, and then come up with the values and, you know, what you want people to feel and experience while they're there. Um, and then I go on a Pinterest fren- frenzy and, um, and make a mood board as well because why not? You want to get really solid foundations around what the event is actually going to be like. Yeah. Another thing that I do is that when I say uh, events on Insta, the images, and there's something like either a flower wall or something, flowers or balloons or whatever it is, yeah. I'm just a setup. I save it. Yeah. So that's my, it's like Pinterest and then I've got my Insta save yep. where I go and check out some inspiration as well. Yeah. Great idea. That I'm like, that looks amazing. Mm-hmm. Because I was saying, I think you posted the other day that you were at, a, was it, I don't know, a hiring company or something where you go and hire props for events. Yes. Um, and you were saying that, you know, they style and show you what it could look like. And I'm like you, like I, when I see something I like, I know that I like it, but putting something together from scratch is not, I think, a talent that I have. And I yeah. agree with that. But, yeah. Um, yeah, so finding that inspiration I think is really good too. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that was the Harry the Hirer showroom and it's, yeah, it's beautiful and definitely I'm not a stylist. I'll outsource to the professionals, but I definitely know what looks good and what doesn't. Yeah, absolutely. And the other thing when it comes to, I guess, standing out, the branding is important, Mm. isn't it? Yeah, big time. Um, Just for all your listeners, you just got to think, what would Suze do? Because... (laughs) You're the brand big, play bold, brand bold, play big, you know. you gotta, um, you got to really, yeah, stand out amongst the crowd and cut through the noise because the event um, world is such a saturated market. It's more accessible for people to run events with platforms like Eventbrite. It just makes it so easy to sell tickets. Um, so, yeah, you just have to really connect your event vibe with your business vibe. Um, and if you've worked hard on your business brand and invested a lot in your business brand, um, make sure you're communicating that through your event and then turn it up a notch. Um, one, you want to do that because you want people to associate your brand with the event and the event with the brand and get more, um, social recognition that way. And for people to go, Oh, that looks like so-and-so's brand that must be their event. And you know, that's always a really good thing. Um, when somebody sees something and go, Oh, that must belong to, um, that must belong to Sue's that's got Sue's written all over it. And then, you know, they click into it. Yep. Certainly is. Um, 
Yeah, so you want people to have that um, branding recognition. Um, but two, you also want people to kind of go, oh, that's a bit different um, and create some curiosity around it for them to find out more and for them to um, to think, oh, I might want to attend that event. Um, yeah, so definitely branding is um, super important, more important than what people realise, I think. Yeah, and I think the only other thing that I would say about that as well, because it's something that I was thinking about recently, is that where you position your brand when it comes to an event determines how much somebody will pay for a ticket. Totally. So there was there's a, a conference that I was looking at recently and the sell was that it was under $100 uh, and that you get all of these for under $100 for the day. But for me, if I'm going to take a day out of my business, this is probably some people are... Some people will agree and some people will not agree. Yeah. I'm going to take a day out of my business to go to a conference. I'm willing to spend $250, $300 because I'm buying an experience. Mm-hmm. I'm the quality of content that I'm going to be taking in on the day. I want to be somewhere that I want to actually spend a day. If you're going to give me lunch, I want sandwiches. Like I want like a nice buffet or something. (laughs) It's it's about also the way that you brand it and the things that you share about it. I think also, you know, impacts how much people are going to pay and whether they want to be there. So even for our upcoming event, which is Confidence Rising, which I know you're going to be at, which is very... Well, me. I know. You know, for me, it was like um, Circa is beautiful. It's where I had my first conference. You know, we've got a hot breakfast, right, good coffee, light, bright. It's I want people to invest in themselves and experience something premium when they come to something like that. So... And that's where I want my brand to sit anyway. So I think you've just got to think about where you want your brand to be positioned and whether you're going for something that's a lower price option that might be fit for purpose, where it's nice, it's just nice, Mm -hmm. or whether you're trying to create an experience that's really going to make them feel amazing on the day and love everything about it. Definitely. It's, it's just like any industry. I mean, um, one of my clients who's been with me since the beginning of um, my business, love her. Um, she, she's a business coach and mentor for mechanics and she tells them don't, don't play the price war because if you play the price game, you, you're determining what kind of um, customers you're going to attract. And it's the same across any industry and definitely the same for events. Um, sometimes it's it's good to host a free event for instance first and you know get people into your funnel or into your audience that hasn't haven't been there before but you are playing with the risk that you might attract people who are just wanting to come along and suck up as much value as possible for no investment um, and then have absolutely no intention of you know being a, a a customer with longevity who returns time and time again. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah so it, I 100% agree with what you were saying um, the, the brand that you give off in the actual event experience and um, your price point for your ticketing, it all plays into who it's going to attract. Um, and that really comes back to having a solid vision, mission and values for your event um, because then you know what your foundation, foundation is and exactly who you're targeting. Um, and then that speaks into every single element from there on. 
Yeah, and I mean, just to touch on what you were just saying there as well, is that a lot of times events are used as an opportunity, it's a gateway to the rest of your products and services. Mm-hmm. And so if you do something that's really cheap, then potentially you're attracting, like you said, people who are very cost conscious. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you have something that's a little bit more premium and people who are happy to invest in themselves and spend, you know, money that they've earned on something that is, you know, better than just okay, then the likelihood of them potentially spending a couple of grand in your business on other things that you've got is more likely as well. So I think that that's why I think ticket pricing is actually quite important. Yeah, yeah. You'll um, you'll attract the people who are willing to invest in themselves and you'll probably filter out the rest. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so what's the best way to plan an event? Like is there any other tips that you can sort of give when it comes to obviously you've now done your vision, your mission, your values, etc. What what's next? What else do people need to be thinking about? Yeah, definitely. So I um I keep it really simple and I absolutely love the Google suite to do all of my planning and create all of my spreadsheets. Um, So for your listeners, I'm going to pass on um, a bit of like an event planning task list um, in a spreadsheet. So um, yeah, your listeners can, can use that. And it's very generic. Um, It's, uh, I mean, it's got a lot of tasks in there. So pick and choose what you do and don't need to do for your event. Um, But I I think, yeah, just having everything um, documented and all in one place, um, the, Outside of the actual planning checklist, I'm a massive list person, whether it's writing it down on pen and paper um, or keeping it in a spreadsheet like this one that I'll share with you guys, is um, the, the other two things that I use really is a run sheet and a budget and kind of everything else doesn't really matter. Um, you know, a place, a list for all of your delegates. Yeah, that's great. But you might, you know, you might have one that's automatically generated through your ticketing platform. Um, but yeah, run sheet, budget. They're huge, um, huge things that I would really encourage people to spend their time doing. Um, so I'll start with uh, the budget. It can be as detailed or as simple as you like, but definitely once you've determined your vision, mission and values, you've understood what you want your event to look like, who you want um, to be in the audience, um, then work on, well, how can I actually put this on and what is it going to cost? Um, and depending on the size of your audience, your database, um, the people that you feel like you could attract, um, be really realistic about how many people that you can have um, and don't be afraid to start small. I think that's the biggest thing, that's the biggest barrier to entry for events sometimes. I hear so many people say, oh, I really want to run an event, but I just don't even know where to start. The checklist will definitely help you. But then they also say, and I just don't even know how I'd sell any tickets. And... I just want to um, want to put it out there that there is absolutely no shame in running a little round table event for four other people and yourself. There is absolutely no shame in that. Um, and you've, everyone's got to start somewhere. Um, and don't worry about the people who are pulling 400 people into their room, like the massive coaches that have huge followings um, online. Don't worry about what they're doing. They started somewhere too. Yeah. Um, and they probably, you know, it's back in the archives, so you don't ever see where their starting point was, but yeah. Um, yeah. So I start- love that, um, just on that because yeah. Rachel Hollis, I don't know if you know Rachel Hollis. Yeah, yeah. She talks about this because she's just, she's like a multi million dollar speaker now and she just packed out like an 18,000 person stadium. But she always says, 
she started speaking in old age tones. <laughs> She's like, I used to speak to old people that I never got paid. Like, I didn't know whether they were interested in what I was saying or not. She said, but that's where I started. Yeah. So I completely agree. When you see these people who are killing it, they've been doing that for 10 years. Like that's I say all the time. Don't expect that the first time you do something, it's gangbusters. We all learn. Yeah. We also all grow our audiences as we go. So, you know, yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. Yeah, I mean, put on a stellar event for four people yes. and then they'll go and tell their friends and then next time you might have eight and then you might have 16. And so, yeah, no shame in starting off small. Yeah. Um, but when considering your budget, just look at um, your expenses, what you, your estimated expenses are, and then keep track of um, your actual expenses, but also um, what your estimated income will be and then what your actual income is. Um, and, yeah, see if you can um, work it backwards. So if you have four people in the room, um, then your income matches your expenses. Or, you know, maybe for the first time you might be out of pocket. So think of the event as an investment, um, just like you would go to somebody else's event and get value from that. You're going to get a lot of value, whether it be um, content, photography and videography. Like that's huge to have proof that you've run events and this is what they look like and they're, they're beautiful and Instagram worthy and, you know, whatever it needs yeah. to be in this day and age. Um, but eventually you will turn a profit. And that's what I like to work with my um, all my clients on is start from somewhere. If it's an investment at first, it's never a, it's never, um, a waste of money ever, especially if you really commit to the event process. Um, and eventually you'll see in your budget, your expenses don't even come close to your income. Um, and yeah, you're running a profit and the events become worthwhile and enjoyable and they're not as stressful anymore because you get into the habit um, of running them and you know how to do it. And it's just like a muscle um, and working out. Eventually it gets easier um, because you work it. Yeah. I think you find your groove as well. So, I mean, I've been running breakfast now for a while. It's not probably the circle level um, as far as the event space, uh, but it's big easy, which is kind of rustic and it's really cozy and it's nice. And, uh, and with, and so once again, we've built a relationship and it's just the same every every quarter and people come along and there's a community and people know each other and, yeah. and so I just think that you do find a groove and you find your places, mm -hmm. like the places you want to run them and you can, you know, get get the venue at a good price and you yeah. build relationships with people and I think that that's just something that comes with running events as well is that you learn all of that as you go. Yeah, absolutely. And with... um. Then you get your run sheet and if you're planning on running this event more than once or even um, a very similar version of the event, your run sheet and the way that you want the event to play out becomes the same time and time again with a few tweaks here and there based on the flow and um, the feedback that you receive. And yeah, so having um, your, following your event checklist and then having your event budget and your event run sheet, um, you'll be well equipped to run that beautiful event for four people or for 400. Yeah, absolutely. That's so good. Now we are going to jump into, this is what I said earlier, the biggest question that yeah. I get all the time is selling tickets. Yeah. And 
Yeah, I did a video. <laughs> I think it's my most watched video on YouTube. I kind of started doing YouTube years ago. I don't really do it that much anymore. Yeah. My most watched video is 16 Ways to Promote Your Event, which I think has got like, I don't know, something like 5,000 views or something. But this is a hot topic. And so what are some ways that my listeners can start to look at how they sell their tickets? Yep. Um, so I'll put a disclosure out there. I'm definitely not an event marketer, but I've just seen some things that work, some things that don't, some things that work for one person don't work for another. Um, so it is really difficult because you're, you're literally trying to avoid begging people to come to your event, but at the same time, you're kind of begging them to come because you're putting it out there all the time and you're, you're wanting to have as many touch points as possible. Um, but a few of the ways that I've seen um, work the best is like any business word of mouth um, but I like to call them event champions so people who have come to your event before or they're um, a client of yours um, and have done a little bit of work with you or they're a client of a, of a friend or you know um, anyone in your circle who knows the work that you do knows the benefit that you'll give knows the value that you'll communicate um, and can kind of nudge other people to come along to your event and to invest in into your event um so i guess like influencer marketing but it's for um people within your circle um and the other one that i find is super underutilized is facebook events and that's because a lot of people what they do is they set up their facebook event but they never really use it um so it's just there so when people visit their page it's like oh yeah upcoming events they've got three events in the next six months um, but the beauty of Facebook events is that when you invite people to the event um, and have your event champions inviting people to that Facebook event too and people click interested or going, anytime you ever post a piece of content through that event page, they get a notification. So it's just another touch point um, and a little bit of a nudge to people to say this event is happening, this is what it's going to be like, how exciting. Um, you can create anticipation through it. Um, yeah, so you'd be sharing content on your main Facebook or Instagram pages anyway, promoting the event, and it's just a matter of sharing that exact um, post through the Facebook event that actually will then give a notification to anyone clicking interested or going. So that's definitely something that um, I see people set up a Facebook event but then not post any content and punch any content through it. Um, so that would be a huge tip that I'd give to people. Yeah, um, and I mean just on that as well, like sometimes when I see my friends where they're interested or they're going to an event, that pops up in my feed. I'm like, oh, that looks good. I didn't know about that. And then I either get interested or I go check it out, go check out the ticket page. So it definitely works. Like mm -hmm. I'm checking out where my friends are going and what they're doing. Yep, yep, definitely. It just, it, it gives a really good, and I think Facebook actually, I read something the other day, I think Facebook are putting more um, emphasis on groups and events um, because that's, they've, they feel that people are giving them the feedback that the news feed is so, is so saturated. Um, no, I could totally be wrong, but that's, yeah, I read an article about that the other day. Yeah, yeah. This is definitely something massive that they're focusing on. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, uh, treat your event in, in the same way. Um, have, think of your Facebook event page as your event group. Yeah. Right. Anything else on, uh, selling tickets that we should be thinking about? Yeah. Don't be afraid to, um, put it out there in as many places as possible. Um, they say something like seven or eight touch points is needed before people make a decision. Um, and you may see, you know, you think that you might be annoying and bombarding people and 
kind of everywhere, but you probably know where. Like just keep posting it because you never know who's seeing it. And you can, for Instagram stories, for instance, you can see that people have viewed your story, but are they just tapping through or have they actually put their finger on it and are stopping and reading the text that you've put on there? Um, so you never know what people are going to catch. It's like when you go and see a speaker and you've seen, um, like my fiance, he's a professional speaker. And every time I go to one of his gigs, I'm like, oh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't, I hadn't learned that lesson before, or I hadn't heard that part of the story and interpret it in that way before. Like you're always picking up something new and the same goes for your event marketing. Um, what you put in one post, you may write the exact same thing the second time, but you know, people haven't read it all through the first time. So they're getting new information, whether you think it's new or old. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think that this is where people struggle is that they're like, well, I, I've already posted about it. I don't want to nag people. I don't want them. I don't want to be posting about it all the time. I don't want them to get sick of it. Mm -hmm. And I always say that when I did Epic Conference the first time, I spent thousands on marketing, like on Facebook ads and Google ads and all the rest of it. And after the event and on social and after the event, I still had people saying, I didn't know about it. I can't believe I missed that. I would have yep. so wanted to have come. So I'm like shameless now. I, um, I talk about my events all the time. I uh, individual invitation marketing mm -hmm. I you know collaborate I like whatever it takes but the thing is I think it is that mindset that you actually have something that is really valuable this is a great opportunity for them to be part of this it's going to be an amazing experience and you don't want them to miss out so I think that that mindset when you're in ticket selling mode I think is really important as well. Like you're not bothering people, you're giving them an opportunity opportunity to be part of something awesome. Yeah, definitely. It's like when you when we were talking about the ticketing price, if you um, set a higher price point because you're giving more value and it's going to be really experiential and amazing, you're filtering out the people who um, are price conscious and want to play the price game and, you know, it's um, unattainable for them. And it's the same thing with the people, if there's anyone out there who thinks, oh, I've heard about this event so many times, it's so annoying. They're not the people that you want at your event anyway. No. So see ya. Like, yeah, you, yeah the, you, you have to be, um, you just have to go, go for it and be really confident um, as hard as that is sometimes to, to believe in the value that your event is going to give because you know deep down that's why you're putting the event on that you know that it's you've got something to give and it's going to be really beneficial for people to attend so you have to really drive that home to people um, as much as possible across as many platforms as you're operating on um, yeah so go for it yeah and I think the other thing uh, that has worked for us as well is we did the wait list it was actually we had to do it because Erica is in Bali and I was away on holiday. So we were like, I don't, I don't have time to put this ticket page up, so we're just going to have to do a wait list and then release it. But that, that worked really well. So we've sold half of our tickets in the first week, which is awesome. Um, but also I do love the celebration of people who are coming. I think that that works really well too because uh, I love seeing like, uh, even Erica, when she she's opened a course and she was welcoming everybody that had just bought in and, 
and she was like, welcome Sarah, welcome this one, welcome that one. Like, and I was sending her messages going, lady, you are killing it. This is awesome. Congrats. Well done. So like you said, if people get annoyed by that, then maybe they're not your people. Yeah. Because when you see somebody who is like doing well or being successful or attracting their, their clients and they're celebrating that, you want to cheer them on and say, well done. So I think that that's the other thing. I think, you know, celebrating the people that have chosen to come along to the event. Um, people also get FOMO. Let's be honest. Totally. That's the best to say. marketing tool that you, can, that you can use when it comes to events. I get people yep. that are like, oh my gosh, I'm moving house that day. I have FOMO. And yep. I'm like, I can't help you. Like, that's yep. <laughs> People, it's, it's such a natural thing for people to want to be a part of a herd or part of the circle. And so when they see like your post for your um, uh, confidence event coming up with Erica, it's, you know, people are going, oh, wow, so many people have like bought tickets. Because a lot of the time um, people don't know how many people have bought tickets to your event. Yeah. So, yeah, shout it from the rooftops. Celebrate those people that have. Um, and on the wait list, that was, that was brilliant. And I often encourage people, if they've got reoccurring events that are very similar, um, have a wait list for the next event at the end of the one that you've, you're doing. Um, just so you have that confidence in yourself that this already has some momentum. Um, and that's what it's all about, just um, feeling the momentum yourself, but also communicating that momentum to other people so they jump on the train too. Yeah, absolutely. And I also think, once again, it's the whole, if I see my friend is going to something, I'm like, oh, well, I might go along with her because people want to kind of go with their mates to things yeah. too. So um, we definitely encouraged people to share that they had bought their ticket mm -hmm. and then we obviously reposted it. Um, but I think that getting them to share it just means that you're then accessing their audience as well. So I think you just got to be smart with your marketing when it comes to tickets and events. Um, you've got to tap into that human nature. Mm -hmm. And don't be afraid to be a little bit different. You know, there's, there's, no, there's no wheel when it comes to event marketing, so there's not even one really to recreate. Just do whatever feels right. And um, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work, try something new. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, and what about ticket pricing? Is there anything that we can do? We've talked a little bit about that when it comes to branding and uh, positioning your uh, event. Yeah. What else could we be doing there? Uh, a really practical thing to think about is when you're looking at your budget, don't undersell yourself. Don't um, always try and at least break even. And if that doesn't work, then it doesn't work. Um, but then think, well, is all of the expenses that I've um, decided to take on, are they all really necessary? Um, so look at how much you're going to fall short or if you can make a profit by removing something um, that's just kind of too out there or too expensive, too unrealistic. Um, but definitely use your budget to base your ticket price. Don't, don't just pick a number. Um, really think strategically about what that ticket um, expense is for other people. You know, is it too high? Is it too low? Or is it just right? Um, but also what it does for you. So other ticketing fees included, I'm, I'm probably a big one for just absorbing that cost. You know, it's like when you um, purchase something online and then you go, yes, I want this so bad. And then the shipping's $15 and you're like, nope, see you later. Um, don't, don't do that to your event purchases. Um, absorb that ticket cost, but kind of, you know, um, uh, budget for that. Um, think about that that's going to be included. Therefore that's an expense. Um, and 
yeah, and just, I can't, I can't say it enough, have a budget and stick to it and really know what your numbers are. Numbers aren't really my thing. Um, and it's taken me a long time to really love a budget. Um, but you'll get there and it will be so worthwhile because you'll be so well across your ingoings, your outgoings, um, and you'll be really confident in setting that ticketing price because you know that the people who are coming and investing that much money are getting the value and you also know that it's really helping you make this event possible, which will then make it possible for you to do it again and again. Yeah, absolutely. And I've just got a spreadsheet that I use over and over again. Mm -hmm. um, and so because I've run quite a few events, there's uh, some lines I'll use at some events, some lines I won't use. So if I have to hire a VM, some places I don't need to do that, yeah. uh, but at least it's on the list so that I'm asking myself the question, do I need to pay for that? Do I need to think about that? Yeah. Um, and like you said, what I normally do is I would write down all of my expenses. So you know, the cost of the venue, the minimum spend for food, AV, flowers, uh, anything else, speakers, etc. Um, and then take a look at if I can, if it's for 40 people, what does the ticket price need to be? And then make a decision, is this going to fly or is it not going to fly? But yeah. also the other thing that I've got a line in there for is how much do I want to make on the day? Yeah. So what's my minimum that I want to make on the day as well? And I add that to expenses so that it gets incorporated into ticket prices and you don't, if you can, then you're not just breaking even but you're actually given, you pay for yourself for the day or you've given yourself a profit as well. So that was something I didn't used to do um, and now I do that. Yeah, people feel really guilty around that. Have you read the um, book um, Profit First? Yes. I, um, I try and apply that to events as well. So think about, you know, that he says about 5% um, to be profit. Think about what 5% looks like for your event numbers um, and try and take that first because um, so many people feel guilt around the event but uh, taking money from the event. But if you weren't doing it, then the people in the audience wouldn't, um, wouldn't be getting the value that you're giving. And eventually, if you're not taking a profit, you're going to stop doing the events because it's going to create event resentment, um, but you want event excitement. Yeah. Um, and, and w whether we like it or not, whether we want to um, admit it or not, money really helps, you know, taking a profit really, really, really helps us want to run the event again. Yeah. And I mean, I think you do have to take a look at it. Is this a revenue stream for you or is it just a marketing channel? Mm -hmm. Obviously, hopefully it should be both. But, um, yeah. but I think that that's, that's one way to look at it as well. But uh, let's move on. How do you get the most out of the events even after it's done? So what are some things for us to be thinking about to really maximise the opportunity that events provide. Yeah, sure. So like we said before, Facebook are doing a huge um, push on groups. Um, so uh, for people who are running reoccurring events, you know, they might do quarterly, um, quarterly events where they're um, sharing their business knowledge or whatnot. If that's the case, um, encourage people, have really clear call to actions and encourage people to join that Facebook group for people who have attended that event. Um, have the, the waitlist idea, have the waitlist ready at the end of one event ready for um, the next event. So you can be marketing to them for the next event straight away. You've got their details there in your database. Um, whether it's liking you on Instagram, liking your Instagram profile or um, following you on Facebook, popping their details down um, to find out more about your services, um, have a really clear call to action. And it doesn't have to be the typical, we've got a $5,000 course that you can have for 997. Like it doesn't, you don't have to sell. Um, it's just simply 
if you um, if you come into our network, um, this is the kind of stuff that you'll get more access to. This is the value that we've given at this event. We want to keep giving that. Um, we want to stay in touch. We want to stay connected. Um, one thing that I loved uh, recently um, was Sophie from Sister Scout, who I think you're interviewing shortly, so that will be a great episode. Um, at the end of her one of her events, she just did it on a whim and she said, look, I've put a little question box on my Instagram um, and the session was about business and personal finances and superannuation. It was a great event. It was a great event. So she said at the end of it, um, it's, you know, it's coming up to the end of financial year. It's going to be the start of the new financial year. I want you to um, write in the text box, in the question box, what you're going to take action on in the next week, fortnight, month, um, based on what you've learned here at this event. And it, it started a great conversation um, for her between, um, between the people who were in the room um, as well as the different speakers that she had there too. Um, so, yeah, it's um, such a simple thing that's free. Instagram is free, the chat box, the um, question box is free and it just really started a conversation and got people, um, got people talking yeah. and then and sharing and then so that reached their audiences. So, you know, when Sophie has her next event, I'm sure she'll find it a lot easier to get people across the line because she gave them a lot of value. Yeah. She provided the space um, where people could become a part of a community and that's what we're all searching for really. We just want to circle. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. That's awesome. Well, Amy, I think that those are some great tips that people can really take away. Obviously, make sure you've got your notepad and pen or your Evernote, whatever you use. But I obviously, as I said, the selling tickets is a big one. Um, so I think that they were some really great tips. And obviously, uh, in the show notes, we'll also share the checklist that yep. we're going to provide. So you can head over to the show notes and check that out as well. But for those who are walking the dog or in the car, where can they find out more about you? Yeah, sure. So you can find me across um, Facebook and Instagram, Events by Example. Um, my website is www.eventsbyexample.com. And, yeah, if you ever wanted to get some advice, I offer 20-minute free consultations, uh, an event strategy session where we can really quickly just look at what your event ideas are and I'd love to help as many coaches, mentors and educators out there as possible. Amazing. Well, thanks so much for being on the podcast. It's been great to have you on. Thank you so much, Suze. I was nervous and I don't even know why. That was wonderful. <laughs> yeah. I'm awesome. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode. There were some great tips from Amy there. I know that she has worked with some great mentors, coaches and consultants to get the most out of their events. So make sure you go and check her out. Head over to the show notes, which will be at theconnectionexchange.com forward slash episode 68. She's also got a checklist there, which she has provided for you. So take advantage of that for sure. And we've got some awesome episodes coming up next week. I've got Sophie Timothy from Sister Scout Studios talking about niching to grow your business. And then after that, I have got Erin from Young Folk Digital talking about how to implement a digital strategy in your business as well. So we've got some great guests coming up that it's really going to help you to grow your business, to understand what you're doing and to be able to take some action as well.
Now, before I sign off, just remember, if you want to get on the wait list for Brand Builders Academy, then make sure you head over to theconnectionexchange.com forward slash BBA waitlist and get on that today. But until next time, have an awesome week and make sure you keep playing big and branding bold.